You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're, students. we're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. the next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you. The DU Podcast with your host, Chris Jennings. Joining us today, a return guest, Bill Buckley. Bill, welcome back to the show. Well, thanks, Chris. Glad to be here. And Bill is the author of Waterfowler's World, a regular column in Ducks Unlimited magazine, but he's also a professional photographer. And last time we had Bill on, he discussed shooting better pictures of your hunts. And we kind of went back and forth. And and what I really wanted Bill to talk about on this show specifically is shooting better images of your dogs. So, Bill, before we get into that, I just want to know, you know, it's October. We're getting ready for duck season. Um, What are you most excited for going into this duck season? I'm actually going to be exploring a lot of new country this year for ducks. I've got to say a lot of my old haunts have been a little bit crowded over, gotten crowded over the years. And so I'm kind of excited about exploring some country north of where I live um, and uh, especially a lot of refuges and um, little pothole areas. Um, we have a, we're having a huge drought here in Montana. So a lot of our potholes are literally dry. So it's going to be a little bit different this year, but I'm excited about just exploring new country. And when you say getting further north, are you going into Canada or just north of where you're at? No, yeah. No, I mean, I, I love going to Canada. Normally go up there and snow goose hunt every um, no, early November, late October. And it's a lot of fun. Um, who knows if the border's going to be open this year. But, uh, uh, you know, by the time that comes around. But no, I'm just talking about no, sort of uh, farther north in Montana. And there's a lot of... Just, to, you know, it's funny, you you move to an area, you do a lot of scouting your first 
three, five years, and then you kind of get locked into your old places. And so that's sort of what um, what I've what's happened to me. And a lot of those old places are a little bit more frustrating to hunt these days, just because of a lot more people having moved here and a lot of out of staters uh, discovering what great duck hunting and goose hunting opportunities we have. So yeah, so I'm just excited about kind of checking out things and don't really uh, care too much if the hunting is great or not. I'll have seen a lot of neat country and learn the state a little bit more. So it'll be great. Yeah, it's exciting. I'm always a big fan of different scenery. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of uh, guilty of even sometimes when the hunting is good at different places, especially where I hunt in Arkansas, it's a lot of pit hunting and it can be productive. Um, but sometimes I just don't like sitting in that pit and looking at the same water that I look at. I'm like, let's just go somewhere else. And then we try and, you know, possibly look for some public ground to get into some timber or something like that. So um, that, that's exciting to go look for some new areas. Oh, it's fun. All right. So let's, uh, we'll go ahead and transition into, um, you know, tips for shooting better photos of your dog. And there are a million different things that you could probably bring up here. And, but, you know, let's, reverse and kind of rehash a little bit of what we talked about on the last podcast where you were talking rule of thirds, things like that. Um, really just kind of basic photography. Um, so I'll let you go ahead and kick off as far as, you know, just the, the beginning tips for shooting photos and now let's tie in a retriever. Okay. <clears throat> well, obviously light is one of your biggest things. And so you, if, the higher the sun gets, the worse the light becomes. And the harsher it is, the, the worse it is. So you've got to always be thinking about where that sun is. And you always want to be trying to shoot a lot of pictures when the sun is low on the horizon, even below the horizon and first starts come getting light uh, before sunrise. And then as sunrise happens, you have to just look at shadow and highlights on your subjects. And you don't want details that you want shown to be in shadows because they won't be seen. Um, and so you just have to keep sun uh, in mind, especially as it gets higher, even it's even more important because um, it creates it can create horrible shadows under eyebrows and whatever. So you, so eyes fall into shadow and that's never good for any picture, whether it's a person or a dog or any animal and eyes are kind of the highlight of a picture and where most viewers tend to look because that's how we communicate with each other. We look each other in the eyes, actually the left, left eye. If you, if you have wondered, you're, you're almost always going to be looking at someone's left eye. And I don't know exactly why that is, but that, that is the case. And so eyes are very important about how we communicate with each other and it shows they, they show emotion as well. So that's one thing to keep in mind. Um, just also the main thing is being ready, having a camera out, just like a, a shotgun. You wouldn't start calling ducks or geese before your shotgun was loaded and in a place where you could get to it right away. And things happen quickly in the field um, and you better be ready with a camera as well. So, you know, set your Set up your camera, set it up for lower light at first, which means higher ISO, which is like the film speed. And um, those wide open as your lens can be, which means um, the lowest number. So it might be an F4 or F28 or F5.6 lens. And so you have it at that versus F11 or something. And then you also go for the fastest shutter speed you can get at that time. And as the light gets 
gets or as it gets lighter, then you keep on increasing your shutter speed to where you know you're going to get sharp pictures for action if that's what you want. And that's anywhere from five hundredth of a second at a low to a thousandth, preferably. And then you start lowering your ISO because that'll give you less grain. And then you can from there you can make your choices as far as how much depth of field you want by changing your aperture and what you you know so so but it gives you well you always want to be ready for action and and so i always i set my cameras up the night before for low light and i go into the field with everything already having been taken care of and all i do is i literally bring out the lens i want put it on the camera or it, i even have that on there and then i just have the camera turned on and ready and waiting for the light to get good enough so um, yeah, no. And, and, you know, I've worked with, you know, or hunted with even, you know, some professional photographers that, um, you know, have, I've seen use flash on occasion where I'm like, I didn't think, you know, I didn't think he would be using flash. And I'm asking him like, why are you using a flash when it's daylight? And he's like, cause I'm, I'm trying to get more light in one spot or trying to get that additional light. Is that something that you do pretty regularly or do you? Um, yeah, I, I have a, a, a flash set up. Um, I don't, Honestly, I don't like to use them if I don't have to. But sometimes, when uh, especially p- people putting out decoys early in the morning, then um, you have to have it pretty much. And if you want anything but a silhouette, let's say as the sun is rising and you get those beautiful, well, before the sun actually rises, but as it gets, uh, as the eastern horizon lights up and gets those beautiful colors, you oftentimes want to get a little detail in your subject. And, um, so a flash can work for that, but I don't typically, I, I use, I use strobes a lot, I mean, but not typically in hunting situations, just because they can be distracting to people. And certainly when the ducks and geese start flying there, you don't want to ruin a hunt. Good for (laughs) bringing birds in. And the one thing I try to do is, is to uh, impact a hunt. Uh, and a hunt success as little as possible and hopefully not at all when I'm taking pictures because I don't want them to say, gosh, would have, would have been a great day if, if that Buckley character not not been out in the middle of a decoy spread taking pictures all the time. So, that's- Yeah, I've actually been on hunts, and this is just a funny side where the photographers or videographers are in most of this, this happens when they're not big hunters. And all of a sudden, you're like, man, we can't, why are these birds not finishing? And you look around, like, there's a videographer just standing out, like, in the middle of, a, like, a cut wheat field. Like, the guy just looks like a <laughs> scarecrow out there. And he's got a camera on his shoulders with this big lens. And it's like, oh, my gosh. Like, dude, you cannot do that. Like, this is not – we're not hunting if you're doing that. So, I have seen it when when photographers or videographers really really take over the show and, and ruin a hunt. Um, but yeah. I, w- I want to bring uh, up one thing to you that I struggle with. And when I'm shooting images, especially of my dogs, um, and it's because I have black labs (laughs) and I've always had black labs and man, it is, they are a photographer's nightmare. So kind of explain how you get over that. (laughs) In fact, I was, uh, when preparing for this, I, I was, I wrote down something about, about lab color as well. Uh, there's a reason why, and there are a couple of reasons why I have, I've had yellow labs <laughs> and, and I, uh, and one, one is, I think they, I think it just, they, I do a lot of field hunting, a lot of stubble field stuff. I think they're easier to hide, but the main reason is they're easier to photograph. Yes. Black is, is contrasty. Black absorbs light. So on, um, on most days when you have direct sunlight, a black lab is you're going to have to make a choice with your, 
with your exposure. The black lab is either going to have to be properly exposed, which means more light, which means your your background is going to be overexposed potentially, or you go the other way, you expose for the environment and then your lab starts to get dark. Luckily, um, with Lightroom and Photoshop and other photo processing programs, they're so good now at pulling out details and doing it in a pretty non-destructive way. And uh, photographing a, a black lab no longer makes me <laughs> makes me nervous like it used to back in the slide days. So I've dated myself um, having, having started off in this business during the film days, pre-digital. But um, yeah, uh, black labs are, are, do present a big problem. And that's why I, I love, for black labs, the, my favorite time is before the sun actually pops up over the horizon in the mornings and you get that uh, wonderful, it gets, starts to get light and the labs just kind of light up. And certain overcast days, they're can they can, they're really easy to photograph as well. A lab that has a wet coat, and, and a timber, uh, hunting green timber, photographing green timber is, it's hard, not, it's, it's so, I should say, it's so easy to photograph black labs. The light is so diffused coming in, and that's where it's really easy to photograph something like a black something. Otherwise, um, like I said, there's a reason why I have yellow labs. Yes. Yeah, good, good friend <laughs> and, of mine, uh, Bill Conway. He's a photographer as well. No, no, yeah, um, he was getting a lab, and I was like, oh, you know, hey, you should get a black lab because he really likes my dogs. And he's like, no. He's like, I'm not getting a black lab <laughs> for that exact reason, you know. I would think about having a black lab now, uh, mm-hmm. but – I don't know. I, I do. I do love the yellows, but there's something about a, a black, you know, really good looking black lab, and, and the shine, the sheen that comes off of their fur. It just doesn't have a yellow lab or a chocolate. And but but um, yeah, they are tough. So um, I would say uh, as the sun gets up higher, you're going to have more of a problem shooting them. So hard, harsher light, brighter sunlight is going to be harder to photograph something that's black. And conversely, a really white. You can see some of those yellow labs that are almost white. They present a problem as well, but luckily, post-production really has um, has given us the ability to get detail in black and white dogs really easily, and still have a nice picture. So, yeah, and, and there's kind of that the perfect, I would say, black lab image where you capture the eyes, where you where the eyes really jump out, and I think it's because of that, and it has to be perfect. You know, you have to get this shot perfectly, um, but where you've got the lab sitting on a, let's say, water stand or something like that, and the the coat is shining, and then that, you know, the whiteness of their eyes, and then the brown really, like, lights up that shot. And so, uh, you know, that's a difficult shot to get. Uh, But that kind of leads me to, you know, my next question for you is how are you kind of positioning the dog to get the best shot with that light? Is that all, you know, a part of that process where you are um, trying to adjust the dog to the light or are you adjusting yourself to where the dog's sitting in some of these situations? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, so if I'm on a hunt, it's a different story. If I'm, if I'm going to someone's place or or I'm with a dog trainer Mm -hmm. and I have the luxury of having, putting, putting that dog wherever I want, then, then, then I will, place the dog relative to sun to background to you know especially background i'm 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 interested in getting a background that is clean enough i.e not really busy so that it distracts from the the dog and so i I want a shot where any subject i shoot i want the viewer's eyes to go right to it the more jumble of in the background of like 
uh, shadows and highlights caused by trees or even marsh grass or something distracts from that. So, mm-hmm. so that's the first thing. But, but if I'm in a hunting situation, I'm moving. I'm not, I'm not, I'm moving to adjust to the dog. And, and again, I'm keeping in mind background. So I want to have a nice background. Uh, a lot of times I'll move to where I want to tell a story and I want to connect that dog. So, so the dog is, you know, you go out in a hunt, let's say it's, let's say it's a timber hunt. That's my favorite time to photograph mm-hmm. or favorite place to photograph black labs. And, um, so you're out there and you're hunting and okay, you take some pictures of the lab itself, but, but that's kind of in a bubble. I mean, that lab is part of a hunt. That lab is part of it. There's a decoy spread. There are the other hunters. And so I like to work in, you know, maybe a guy calling in the background. He might, he's going to be out of focus if I'm focused on the dog, or sometimes I might have all both of them in focus, but or I might have the dog with a decoy spread in the background. So you can just barely make out the green head decoys. And but it gives a a real sense of place and it ties that dog into the hunting scene. But but yeah, I'm moving around. Um, one thing I always tell people is just don't stand there. Don't stand and take a picture mm-hmm. of a dog. But you want to get you want to get down on a dog's level, at least at, at least at eye level. So I'm always, I'm always crouched down. I'm always shooting at the dog's level or below it. And below it, again, you can include some of the sky. Uh, dogs tend to look more powerful when shot from a lower angle. They look more intense. And so I'm, I'm looking for that, but, I, but I'm, I'm also making sure I just cut out as many distracting elements or I include again, certain features of the hunt that I want. So it's, it's all up. You see what you have and then you adjust from there. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside. Yeah, and is that are you kind of doing the same thing for? Uh, I, I guess we'll I'll, let me let me step back here and just say, um, you know, that's a really good point when you bring up where you're you're constantly moving. 
that's something for our listeners to remember in a sense that you are never, uh, you should never just take pictures from the same exact spot because then you're just going to get the same overall angle and view and, and everything. And it's like, that that's pretty boring. Now, the catch with that is most of our listeners are not professional f- photographers and they probably never have been on a photo shoot like you would you mentioned where this is all set up. So, mm-hmm. you know, our listeners are hunting. And this is one of the biggest problems that, I have when I'm trying to shoot photos and hunt at the same time is I have to choose, you know, (laughs) I I either grab the gun or I grab the camera because if you do both, you'll do both terrible. That's from my experience anyway. That is also mine. (laughs) I used to, in the the film days, back when we had, we were stuck with a hundred and two hundred ISO or, um, Speeds, which are um, is not much compared to now. We can shoot at you know sixty four hundred ISO for for dim uh, dim lighting. But um, back in those days, it was easy to shoot shoot until I got good light, and then I could switch over. But now, um, you know, the good thing about photographing dogs in in any lab worth its salt is going to be. Um, it's going to be even in slow times when there are not that many ducks or when the ducks are you know far out or whatever. That dog, that dog's always going to be glued to the to the guy. And he's always going to be looking. And I've been on plenty of duck hunts down in Arkansas um, where you know it's been late season and it's gotten warm and the ducks are all going north and there's nothing happening or they've just been pounded. And so you're out there and there's not a whole bunch of action in the woods. So I'm focusing on the dogs a lot because the dogs are the one, you know, you can get people, fo- you know, get photographs of people blowing a duck call and looking pretty good, but there's, there's not that real intensity. A dog is always, you know, a good dog is always on the lookout and the dog is always intense. And the nice thing about a dog looking up in the sky is you're always, you're getting those eyes they aren't falling in shadow as much, and you're getting highlights in the eyes, which is very important to get the highlights. And that's what makes an eye come alive and brings detail into it. And so um, that's I don't really have to make that choice a lot of the time. You can still shoot. Listen, you can still shoot your birds, and then you have. But if you have your camera right beside you, you can get out of the blind when the dog is making a retriever before the dog gets sent out. You can you can get in position, um, and you can also take a lot of great pictures when there's nothing. You know, there's no action at all. So so you actually, dog photography in some ways is really pretty easy. That like, like you were t- we were talking about moving around is probably the most important thing i've been locked into blind sometimes where i can't move and I get the same perspective and there's after a while you're shooting because you feel like you're expecting people are expecting you to shoot but there's nothing new it's just terrible so main thing is yes get move around a lot and um, take advantage of those slow times when there are not a lot of birds flying and and photograph the heck out of your dog. Yeah, and and do you? And again, I'm sure that you do do this. But you know, do you? Are you taking like, let's say, a bird and throwing it back out there to like reenact that retrieve, letting the dog make multiple retrieves, so then you can get additional shots? Um, is that something that you do normally, or? Yeah, I I I do do that. Um, you have to be careful about that. Uh, I used to do it an awful lot when I first started. And, but as you, of course, as you have more and more experience in anything, you realize once things start to look a little fake Mm. and there, a a duck, it doesn't take long for, I mean, a duck can be sitting out, a down duck can be sitting in water for 20 minutes and it's still going to look the same as if, as if it were retrieved within five minutes. 
that first time. But you get a dog retrieving it, bringing it back, and then you throw it out again. Each time, those feathers start getting saturated with water, and soon it looks bedraggled, and it's not. So, you know, I, I might do it. I, I usually will go out and place a bird, mm -hmm. you know, throwing it out there because that makes them look a lot better. You can also control, to a certain extent, how the dog picks it up uh, because, um, you know, you, you want to have the duck showing, if at all possible, and maybe hopefully a wing with spec showing the speculum whatever. So there's certain ways to be able to sort of place a duck to where when the dog runs out and grabs it, let's say if the sunlight is, is on the right side of the duck, so you're looking out from the blind and the sunlight is cross light, um, you don't want the dog to go out there and pick up the bird and then turn around and have the head of the duck facing in the shadow because that's where a lot of the mm -hmm. color is. That. So I would, I would want to go out there, place the bird, facing away from the sun and then have the dog pick it up and then turn around. And when he turns around, the head will be back into that, that's that cross light. So, but at any rate, um, no, the main thing is if, if you, the more you throw a bird out, uh, the more you soak it, the less, uh, a interesting is going to look the less pretty. And, but more importantly, it's not going to look natural. It's going to be obviously threw the bird out. Yeah. So. And is, is there anything that you avoid with that? I mean, for kind of our standards, even in the magazine, we don't really run a lot of images of ducks that are still a lot like a crippled duck that would be in a dog's mouth. Um, we don't, we don't, we don't do that a lot. It's, you know, it, it's a bad, I see other people do do that. Um, but it's kind of a bad look for the duck, um, in that sense. Is there anything that you avoid when, when you're photographing a dog with a duck? Um, well, number one, I, I hate it when, you know, if a dog doesn't, there are a lot of dogs that just don't know how to pick up ducks. Probably mm -hmm. never. So a dog that's holding a, uh, a duck by the neck, for instance, or by the tail, it, that never looks good. Yeah. And, you know, that's something, sometimes you're just stuck with that and you, and sometimes you can go out and, and put the, the bird in the dog's mouth, but, um, and center it up properly. Um, no, you know, I, I have mixed feelings about that. I mean, I mean, I, the whole, one of the main reasons you have a retriever is to, is to find crippled birds. And so, to, you know, I don't mind the occasional picture, but what I don't mm -hmm. like is yep. you know, blood, broken rings, a, a duck with its mouth open, obviously freaked mm -hmm. out or whatever. It's got to be really cleanly done to have a duck that is mm -hmm. still alive. Um, so, yeah, I understand that. And I understand why DU doesn't like to publish those either. You don't like that side of hunting, but nonetheless, it does happen. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It happens. Okay. And now let's kind of transition to that action shot, the speed, the dog, how do you, how are you overcoming? And this is more just kind of for, you know, amateur photographers who are getting into it that some I've hunted with some dogs that are really fast and running across rice fields and people are trying to take photos of them. Um, how do you overcome that? The speed, the kind of the sporting side of, of these retrievers. I, I don't overcome it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, I can't say overcome. How do you overcome not taking a bunch of terrible images? Of <laughs> well, for one thing, you have a motor drive and you set your motor drive for high, for however high it will go. Um, uh, I, there, there are a couple things, and, you know, especially this, especially one, let's say if I go with a dog trainer and I have, and I can choose all sorts of things, I'm going to set request that I get into a, into a, like a rice field, for instance, that is no more than a foot deep and preferably 
six inches deep. And the reason is if you get a dog, let's say into two feet of water, and I've had plenty of them where you're out duck hunting and that's just what it, what it is. When a dog has to lunge up, it's forcing a lot of, pushing a lot of water ahead of it. And that for a bigger dog and more powerful one can really be dramatic. Uh, but it's only on that bounding, leaping up from the water that you get a good shot. A lot of, it, it depends on the lab, but a lot of bigger males that have looser skin and a big blocky head, what happens is as they bound and they start dropping down into the water again with their forelegs, all their their fur and just in their, this just sort of rolls up. They look, they end up and their ears end up going forward and their their faces sort of slide forward. They look like more like a pig than they do a dog. And I, I, I throw 90% of them, well, 99% of those pictures away. I, I delete them. Um, I want the dog typically bounding up, but a dog that is um, running in shallower water does not have to push that, does not have to bound, you know, go up higher in the leap. And that makes a big difference. Now, a leap, a high leap that you do want, let's say, is maybe a water entry. And that's if it's safe enough for the dog and there's nothing down there. You know, having a dog leaping off of a tree stand or off of a bank of a river or, or a pond or something can be really dramatic. And there again, low angle helps. Um, I end up shoot. I I will almost never shoot dogs uh, that are bounding through water uh, at anything less than a thousandth of a second. So for for I, I shoot all manual um, because of the light best. But for most people, if you shoot with shutter priority which is at least on my Nikon, it'd be an S on your dial for your mode of shooting. And I'll shoot at least a thousandth of a second. I'll make sure I have enough light to do that. And I'll control if I don't have enough light, I'll, I'll up my ISO a little bit just, uh, um, but I want to make sure that I get that dog sharp and, uh, so uh, there'll be a little bit of water blur there with a thousandth of a second. If you want to have a dog really dramatic shots where all that water, those water droplets are crystallized in the air, um, then I'm going up to five thousandths of a second, uh, eight thousandths of a second. And so, yeah, really fast. But we, you basically do it by making sure your shutter speed is big enough. Um, I also like quartering either broadside or quartering the dog quartering toward me. Uh, or running straight at me. So I might get out uh, on the other side of the duck, let's say, and, and or the bumper, whatever. And so that's the way. But you want to you want to see the eyes again. You want to see the face, the intensity. So Yeah, no. And um, in your column that you wrote, you, you know, you mentioned that even though maybe you, uh, you're, you're there to shoot photos, if you have, you know, your mobile phone, like most people, almost everyone's going to have a mobile phone in the blind these days. Um, but you're kind of encouraging people to shoot video too. And and why is that? Because, because it's, you know, it's funny. I, I, I don't video a lot, uh, mainly because my eyes are so bad. I don't trust my focusing, looking at a mic back of the camera. And I have so much, so much uh, equipment for stills and everything. But the nice thing about a video is it, it I mean, it's, it you know, for, for still photography, you're trying to capture that the best moment you can. For a video, you're showing all the action. You're, you, it just it completes the story. And I want to tell you, I have so much fun with my stupid little cell phone taking taking videos of of dogs. I take videos of my wildlife around my house. But I just I wish you know I have an English pointer. Um, uh, Jimmy, who, who used to run, he ran so beautifully. Uh, it had this wonderful, what I call an antelope gate, a pronghorn antelope. 
very efficient gait makes the dog look like he's not running hard and yet he covers ground like nobody's business and it's just this pure efficiency and can't get that with a single picture so you can't get personality whatever you know around the house there's nothing like a cell phone and the, the videos you, know, you don't have to set up anything so that's a nice thing about out in the field too you don't have to worry about your settings you just take the darn darn video and it's going to be probably pretty good so yeah i highly recommend doing that before i uh, before we get you out of here i want to ask you a question i don't want to put you on the spot here but i just have a feeling that you may have a good story about probably the most difficult retriever photo session you've ever had like wh- what was the the one that sticks out in your mind where you're just like oh my gosh like that was a disaster when you're trying to shoot pictures of dogs uh i you know, it's funny as you're saying, what's the story? And I'm going, ah, oh, gosh, do I have any stories? And I'm thinking, you know what? I, there is one. There, um, I was in a writer's camp once in North Dakota, and there was a the, one of the few dogs in camp was this chocolate lab that clearly was not interested in hunting waterfowl, clearly did not like cold weather. <laughs> Everything about it was was terrible. So the dog's ear, so you want, want to, you always want to, you want, one of the things I always say is you never want to coerce a dog when you're photographing. You never, never you don't, you don't get frustrated with them and, and hence, you know, uh, try to correct them for not doing something right or whatever, because, because you get that hang dog look, that look with the ears aren't up and the dogs that you can tell the dog's just not, not into what it's doing. Uh, this dog, this, this dog couldn't, he would rather have slept than anything. He slept on the bed and back at the camp. And it was the dog. There was nothing I could do with this dog to get it. It looked excited at all. And a dog that down does not might might be look like a nice relaxed dog, but it doesn't look like a fun one. Um, it doesn't look like it's into it at all. Uh, that's one sort of one thing that I I I look at my so my dog Annie, um, uh, who I had to put down like three Septembers ago. Um, she. She would, there are certain dogs that when they're having a great time, they're, they are, they actually smile. And one of my favorite pictures of her is her first snow goose hunt where I have her hooked up, hooked up to a little Avery dog leash and staked down and she's in the decoys and, and it's sort of later in the morning and she's, she's sitting up there and she's looking around and she has the biggest smile. And I know she's just experiencing pure joy. And that's something that we always think of, oh, we need to look our dogs look macho or, you know, super, um, you know, super intense or take those shots that, that, that make you smile later. (laughs) And, and the, or, you know, the shots at home, you know, my dog used to come to, you know, being be in the bathroom in the morning, my dog would come with a in with a bumper or a sock every <laughs> or at the bed on my bed she'd bring a dirty sock in or something. You know, so things like that 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 you find endearing, go ahead and take make sure you get those pictures before it's too late. Yeah, and you know, it's really difficult and I, it just dawned on me while you were talking about that. It's really difficult to get the dog in the hero shot. And that's where when you said, you know, don't necessarily, you know, try and shuffle the dog around because you'll frustrate it. I've seen a lot of those pictures where the hero shot, you know, someone's trying to set it up with all the ducks and all the guys standing there. And then this dog in the picture just looks pissed. And it's probably <laughs> because they had to force this dog, you know, to to sit there. So that's a good reminder to not force the dog to do anything. Yeah, no, anytime you coerce a dog, you get hard on a dog, you have you run the risk of having it having it kind of shut down. And that is the worst picture. You, you just don't want it. And, and I, I see it a lot. Um, 
people tend to, you know, especially the owners of the dogs I'm photographing tend to want to, they, I don't want to have my dog embarrass me or something. And it's not paying attention or doing this or what or that. And then they tend to get on it. So don't, don't do that. That's, that's uh, the exact opposite look that you want. So dog to be, to either look bold, uh, having fun, you know, it has to be fun for, for everybody. And that's, and you will see that uh, reflected in the dog's posture and the dog's eyes, the dog's, you know, whatever. So, so ears up, um, eyes bright, hopefully focused on something, but, or just looking like it's having fun. Awesome. Bill, this has been great. These are all great tips and, and even just some very basic tips for people to improve the photography of their retriever or maybe their buddy's dog that they're trying to take pictures of. These are just been great tips and I appreciate you joining me on the show today. Oh, my pleasure. It's been fun. I'd like to thank my guest, Bill Buckley, for coming on the show and giving some great tips about shooting better pictures of retrievers. I'd like to thank our producer, Chris Isaac, for putting the show together and getting it out to you. And I'd like to thank you, the listener, for joining us on the DU Podcast and supporting Wetlands Conservation. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. And visit www.ducks.org slash DU Podcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're, students. we're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside.